0: Hi, this is Bruce Bellin to The Four Preps. You are listening to Robert Miller and the Follow Your Dream podcast. Everyone has a dream.
1: Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream...
0: Then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today.
1: Welcome to the Follow Your Dream Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream Podcast with listeners in 200 countries. I'm Robert Miller, your host. My guest today is six-time Grammy nominee Jim Yester of the Association, one of the biggest bands of the 1960s. They had a number of hits, including number ones with Cherish, Windy, and Never My Love, all of which sold over a million records. Jim sang lead on another big Association hit, Along Comes Mary. And by the way, he wrote the title song for the movie, Goodbye Columbus i had the pleasure of seeing jim and the association perform just the other night and believe me they've still got it and in the middle of this episode as i do with all my musician guests jim and i are going to do what i call a song fest we're going to play a bit of all those great hits by the association and we'll talk about them and jim will give you the backstories, and nobody else does this in podcasts also if you're a listener here you know that in every episode, I feature a song of mine underneath the introduction and at the end, and I always try to make it relevant somehow to my guest. And in this instance, I have chosen my song called My Baby, which I recorded during the pandemic. Why? Well, Jim and the Association hit the big time in the 1960s, and My Baby has got a definite 60s vibe. So I thought it worked. So, Jim Yester, welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast, baby. Well, thank you. It's good to to finally be here. (laughs) You bet. I want to start off with that performance of yours the other night because, you know, here you are. You're still performing 60 years from when you first had all those great hits. What's it like to keep doing it?
0: (laughs) I, I tell you, I feel very blessed to be able to still be doing it. And it is so much fun. We we enjoy it much more now. We appreciate it much more now than we did when we were younger. I mean, when we started and everything was happening, it happened so fast. And it was like a, this huge merry-go-round train ride. I, wasn't, I hope it wasn't a train wreck. But <laughs> uh, it's just absolutely wonderful. And the fans that are coming to see us, the majority of them have been longtime fans, and it's it's so great to meet them and get to talk to them, and it's just just wonderful.
1: I tell you, you know, one of the nice things about your performance is you don't take yourselves too seriously. You have fun up on that stage, and you work in a lot of shtick into the act, and I appreciate that. I guess you guys have been doing this together for quite some time, huh?
0: Well, 58 years, yeah. I think by by now— <laughs> we we know what the format is. Yeah, it's always great fun. And uh, we've always uh, lived by the principle that if we have fun, the audience will have fun. And that's what we always try to do.
1: All right. So way back when you're starting out, you got a couple of hits under your belt. How long did you think this was going to last?
0: Oh, who knew? Who knew? We would have been surprised if it lasted five years. And uh, you know, uh, and a lot of us have left and come back. I mean, uh, Jules left after about, well, maybe a year, maybe a year and a half. And uh, he went to India to follow his thing that he was into. And Larry Ramos wound up taking his slot. And then a couple of years later, Jules came back and we took him in. We went to seven from six. And for a lot of years, there were seven of us. In fact, on the Ed Sullivan Show, we were promoting six-man band, but we had to change the lyrics to seven-man band.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you know, talk about something like that. You're on the Ed Sullivan Show. I mean, it's the biggest show in the land at that time. What was it like for you?
0: Oh, it was fantastic. I mean, getting to meet the other people that were on the show, and Ed was so nice, and he treated us so nice. and uh, just really a cool guy.
1: Did he get your name right? Because he got a lot of the names wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, he got our name right. And uh, in fact, we use we have a video that we normally do before the show as kind of an intro. And uh, unfortunately, the place we were the other night didn't have uh, that facility, but we have a, a small clip of Ed introducing us, and he says, They're one of the greatest groups in the world.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: now, for all of you youngsters, here's one of the top rock groups of the world, the association.
1: Well, at least he got that right. Um, who else was on the show with you? I'm curious.
0: Oh, uh, Norm Crosby, the guy who who did all the Malaprop things.
1: The comedian.
0: And we were on a a couple times, and I don't remember everybody. I think um, I want to say Jimmy Durante, but I think that was a Bob Hope special that we did and (laughs) that he was on. uh, Jimmy Durante and, um, and Bing Crosby with with Milton Burrow, the three of them. It was That was a trip to meet all those guys. And Durante was so sweet. He came over to each guy and took your hand in both of his hands and said, how you doing, young man? How you doing? <laughs> it was really cool. Well,
1: think about it. Those guys were at the top of the star heap at that time. Oh, yeah. And you guys were young and uh, you're the new kids on the block, so to speak.
0: And the first... Uh, Several years after we had a couple hits, we did 52 major television shows. I mean, everybody that had a review show, a variety show, uh, the Smothers Brothers, uh, Red Skelton, Dean Martin, uh, all those shows, The Tonight Show. uh, It was just, it was a whirlwind of television.
1: Unbelievable. Did you do any sketch comedy shows? Like I had one guy named uh, Jeremy Clyde from Chad and Jeremy on the show, and they were on the Dick Van Dyke show. They actually worked them into the show. I'm just wondering if, if you did anything like that.
0: Oh, absolutely. The Smothers Brothers, we were friends with the Smothers Brothers. We knew them from the folk days. You know, most all of us came out of the folk movement and had been in various folk groups or folk situations. And they always worked us into the skits. Uh, The one time we were on with Greer Garson, they did a skit where we we were all in drag. And uh, we sang, give me 10 men who are (laughs) stout-hearted. It was just hilarious. But yeah, they always worked us into the skits. It was really fun to do their show.
1: I'll tell you, it's a bygone era, of course. And for people that uh, didn't live through it, you can't really understand exactly what it was like. But that's why God created YouTube, because you can go back and look at all of this stuff now.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of our stuff on YouTube. In fact, as part of this Mother's Brothers show where they were introducing each one of us, and each one of us came up to the two of them and had some interaction with them, and mine was, oh, Jim, is, I understand you honk. And I went, huh? <laughs> we all we all, we all all had a honk. It was started by our bass player, Brian Cole. He was known as uh, bass honk or brass honk, something like
1: that. <laughs> That's funny. All right, I got to ask you about this. You made a comment at the performance, and I want to see if I got this right, that BMI had a list of the 100 top, rock songs on the radio. Yeah, most played
0: songs of the past 100 years. That is an absolute fact. And Never My Love is the second most played song on that list.
1: Isn't that unbelievable?
0: Well, it helped that there were a lot of covers of that song. You know, they count that as well.
1: How many covers were there, would you say?
0: Oh, my God. Who knows? I know The Fifth Dimension did it. I'm not really sure who else did it, but I know a lot of other people covered it. It's a great song. It's an incredible wedding song. So many people have come to us and said this was, you know, we had this song played at our wedding. This was our first dance song. They also say that about Cherish, which I never understood because Cherish is about unrequited love. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I'm not going to be the one to share your dreams. But uh, Never My Love is, that's the perfect wedding song.
1: All right, let's go back. What was the first hit? What's the one that put you guys on the charts?
0: Along Comes Mary.
1: which was a little controversial at the time wasn't it
0: yes it was and we tell them you know about half the stations refused to play it and, and that that was true but if the people were so behind it that it you know it went up I think it got as high as number six nationally and uh, it's not really a song that says hey let's all go out and smoke pot it's a song of social protest saying, you know, uh, alcohol and, and drugs are legal, but marijuana is not. That that's, was Tandon Almer, the guy who wrote it, but that was his frame of reference.
1: And I have to tell you that at the time, at least, when that song came out, you had so many words in that song. And we're all trying <laughs> to figure out exactly what the heck is he singing because there was so many words. You know,
0: it's, it's hard to grasp. It's an unusual set of word patterns. But once you know what the words are, they're way out in front. It's just there's such unusual word patterns. I do the song it, whenever I do a solo, which I haven't done in quite a while. I do that as a reading. And it oh, wow. just blows people away. When you hear it done as a reading, you go, holy cow.
1: So let me ask you this. How was it decided that you were going to sing that one? Because you had a bunch of singers in that band, of course.
0: Yeah, but the guy who recorded the demo and got us involved with it was uh, Kurt Becher, who wound up producing our first uh, album. Jules played bass on the demo session, and he brought home an acetate of it that night. Anyway, the guy that sang the demo, Kurt Becher, is a very high voice. And Jules, he says, "Well, you're the highest voice in the group, so you sing it." and that's that's all it was.
1: Well, listen, it it made its mark for sure. <laughs> Hi, everybody. This is Robert Miller, your host. When I started the Follow Your Dream podcast two and a half years ago, we were in the throes of the pandemic. Everything was disrupted and the future was uncertain. Back then, I had only a goal for the podcast, to inspire people to follow their dream, just as I followed my musical dream. So I set forth on a new adventure. From that humble start, I'm pleased to say that the podcast has grown exponentially to the point where it now is ranked in the top 1% of all podcasts, has won awards, and has listeners in 200 countries. Imagine that. Each episode takes me and my guest on a world tour to thousands of listeners on every continent. And my guests are spectacular. I've had so many famous and accomplished musicians, actors, directors, photographers, and other creatives, people who followed their dream to success. The podcast is proof of my motto. You're never too old, and it's never too late to follow your dream. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast so you get each episode when it airs. And sign up for our weekly emails, which preview our episodes and much more. The links are all in the show notes. As always, I want to thank you for listening and keep on rocking. All right, let's go on from there. The second big hit, what was that?
0: Well, that was Cherish. Cherish is the word. Crying. All the feeling that I have hiding here for you inside You don't know how many times I wish that I had told you You don't know how many times I've wished that I could hold you know how many times I wish that I could mold you into someone who could cherish me as much as I cherish you. Cherish, we never uh, considered to be a single uh, release. We were getting ready to release Enter the Young after Along Comes Mary, and a DJ in Ohio, I think his name was Rheingold or something like that, pulled it off of the album and started playing it. And it went right up to number one in his area. And so the record company said, whoa, whoa, let's, let's think about this. And they wound up releasing Cherish instead of Enter the Young. And of course, it was a huge hit.
1: You know, I've heard this story from other artists in the 60s so many times. It usually is how a disc jockey somewhere took the B side of the record, turned it over and decided that that was going to be the hit versus the A side. But here you had a little variation because he took it off of the album and made it into a hit.
0: Yep. Yep. That happened with Requiem. It didn't become a, uh, a top 40 hit, but it became an underground hit. And uh, I think because of, you know, the Vietnam War and and all that movement that was going on against it and uh, became a very big cult hit.
1: Well, you know, you guys played Requiem the other night. I hadn't heard that song in many, many years. And it was very different, as you know, from the other songs that made hits for you guys. What was it like to record that at that time? Did you know that you were kind of blazing a different path at that moment?
0: Well, yeah, in a way we did. You never know, though. Terry had been carrying around that concept for a long time, uh, even back when the, the group was still the men. Uh, he wanted to do a version of who killed Davey Moore and, uh, and, and do the mask parts in it and then he wound up writing his own song and we put their mass. my brother arranged those uh latin mass parts really yep in fact my brother produced our second album renaissance and while we were involved with that or i guess right after we released renaissance we wound up recording never my love You think love will end when you know that my whole
1: life depends on you
0: and Requiem in New York while we were on the road. Red was the color of his blood flowing thin. pallid white was the color of his lifeless skin. Blue was the color of the morning sky. He saw looking up from the ground where he died. It was the last thing ever seen. And uh, my brother arranged those mass parts. And when we got with Bones Howe, when the record company wanted us to change producers, and we picked uh, Bones Howe, who was the engineer for the Fifth Dimensions uh, works. And uh, we were the first group he ever produced. And uh, he wanted us to re-record those, which we did. And the vocal arrangements for those were done by um, the top tenor from the Hilos, Clark Burroughs. And he's a wonderful, wonderful vocal arranger and, and arranged that whole album inside out. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful vocal arranger.
1: Well, one of the hallmarks of the band was exactly what you're referring to now. It was your vocal arrangements. It was your harmonies, in addition to these great melodies that you had on the records cherish of course was in that category just like never my love all of them did it take a while for you guys to figure out those harmonies
0: the first album was all stuff that we uh, arranged and you know did all the work on them and uh, we didn't really get into using other vocal arrangers until I think, into our third album. Uh, in fact, most of the stuff on the first album was things that we had already taken on the road or in the clubs we were playing, like the Pasadena Ice House, uh, which is kind of basically where we started out. But once you, you've had hits and you're you know constantly on the road and then they block out an X amount of time, you have to do an album in this amount of time. And you don't have the blessing of being able to take things on the road and try this and try that. you got to get it together. You learn stuff in the studio and you, you cross your fingers and hope it works out. But fortunately, we worked with such really great vocal arrangers, Clark Burroughs, uh, Bob Alcivar, uh, my brother, Jerry. It always worked out for us. But the first album, like like cherished Jules did most of the work on that. We all added pieces or changed little things to fit us. But Jules did most of that. And most of the arranging on the other songs on the album, everybody had input. But Jules was basically the music director and vocal arranger at that time.
1: So you were getting pressure, like so many other artists, to knock out the next record the next album to keep the flow coming of all of the hits am i correct
0: yeah absolutely and and in the meanwhile you're doing 280 days a year on the road i mean we'd go out for six weeks we'd come home for four or five days we'd go out for four weeks we'd come home for maybe a week we'd go out for eight weeks i mean it it was you know one nighters one after the other after the other.
1: Must have been exhausting.
0: The majority of the first stuff was college concerts, which were really fun, because the college crowd got everything. They didn't miss a joke. I mean, they got everything.
1: Now, how long did the whole thing last for you? It started around, what, 66 or so?
0: We started in 65. February 10th, I think, is the birthday of the group. And... I stayed with it till 77. I left for, I don't know, maybe a year, and then I came back. And uh, when I left in 77, I was the next to the last original guy still in the group. Ted Bluchel our drummer, was the only other original guy. And then late 78, uh, he and David vaught who was the bass player and and uh, he ran the studio that we had, wound up leasing the name to Rob Grill, the owner of the grassroots. And he had four guys that went out as four different groups, the Association, Steppenwolf. I don't remember what the other two groups were.
1: Well, you know what you're describing now was so common. So many groups would be put out onto the road, and sometimes they had an original member, sometimes they had more than one, sometimes they didn't have any original members, but they kept the name, and that was the way that they marketed the things.
0: We wound up getting back together uh, during that time while Grill still had the name. Terry Kirkman was working for, um, I can't remember the name of the outfit, But they were doing a series of television shows. I think it was HBO. They were doing a series of shows called Then and Now. And they asked him if he thought the group would get back together to do the show. And he said, no way. And he said, well, go ask them anyway. So he came and he got in touch with each of us and we wound up turning it down. They came back with an offer of a decent amount of money. And so he said, oh, okay, we'll do it. We got back together, and first rehearsal, first song we did was Never My Love. And while we're doing it, we're all looking around at each other, and everybody starts smiling. It sounded so good.
1: <laughs> See that? You never forget. It's like riding a bicycle, right? You never yeah, forget. Yeah, yeah.
0: The producers of the show offered to back us, financially to get back together and take it out on the road. Meanwhile, we weren't gonna legally be able to use the name because it was leased to grill. We were doing a TV show in uh, Texas and oddly enough, the four guys were playing in the town we were in as the association. So a bunch of us went down and sat into the show and they were saying, oh, and then we wrote and, you know, and, and such stuff like that. Uh, you know, like they were us.
1: They were imposters.
0: And our manager sent them a note up on stage and uh, somebody gave it to him while they were still playing. <laughs> and you should have seen the the guy's face turned white.
1: <laughs> I'll tell you, there, there was so many shenanigans that went on back in those days, right? Yeah. I mean. I'm sure you guys signed away your song rights because everybody was asked to sign away the song rights.
0: No, we never did that. We still have all our song rights.
1: Oh, good for you.
0: You know, a lot of what's going on now is people are are buying artists' catalogs, and we've been approached. There's nothing going on at this time, but we've been approached about that.
1: Well, that catalog is probably worth a lot of money, so be careful with that, okay? Don't give it away. Yeah,
0: After that thing with that weekend, Grill defaulted on a payment and we got the name back. I don't know whether he did that on purpose or what, but we got the name back.
1: All right. Good for you. I'm glad to hear that. Listen, I'm going to play a little bit of Windy underneath because that was kind of your closing song in concert. And I can't do an interview with you without playing that great song. I want to thank you so much for being on this podcast. It's just fantastic to hear all these stories.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure.
1: We have been talking here with Jim Yester of the Association. Jim has been doing it with this band off and on for the last 50 or 60 years. And as I said in the introduction, they've still got it. And I can attest to that personally. And now we're going to listen to the song that started off this episode. It's my song called My Baby. I want to thank you all for listening. And we'll see you in the next episode.
0: Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at Robert at And you can hear more from his band at ProjectGrandSlam.com and at the PGSStore.com. I said, I want to
1: see my baby. She- Girl